are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. We're going to talk today about amazing grace. The amazing grace of God. Last week we talked about how God transforms lives. And uh, if I was doing a, a series, this would be number two in the series. Because uh, without the amazing grace of God, you couldn't have any of the rest. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. John Newton was a slave trader. By his own admission, he was cruel, a cruel and hard man. As a sea captain, he carried slaves from Africa to England. And one stormy night, when it seemed that the ship would sink, he cried out to God, that night on the stormy sea, John Newton was saved by grace and later wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, one of the greatest hymns ever written and most well-known throughout the whole world. We were created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 tells us that. We were created with the capacity to do great and wonderful things. But he also gave us a free will. He don't force us to do anything. Which means that we are continually choosing to do good or evil. To do right or wrong. All of you have all you have to do is read your Bible and you will see where people often chose the road of their own sinful nature. In fact, you only have to look back into your own life and you can quickly recall, if you're honest, you'll have to remit, admit that you often chose to walk in your own sinful nature. We all have. We're not proud about it. You'll never hear us brag about it. But God extends his grace to all who will receive him. It's a gift given to us that we don't deserve. Someone has called it unmerited favor. 
while others have, in my opinion, tried to complicate it. We believe. We don't deserve it, but God's word says it's there, and we believe it. We are saved through faith. That's believing. Because the Bible says so, I believe that God extended his grace to me, and I've been born again because I believe. God's amazing grace cannot be obtained by good works. We can try all we like, but we cannot earn our way to heaven. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, and if you're asked, why should you be let into heaven? What would you say? I'm not saying that that question is going to be asked you. But if it is, if that's a question that is asked you when you stand before God, what would you say? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good neighbor. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. That would be the wrong answer. There is none good but one. Matthew 19, 17. So you can't get into heaven by being good. Because you can't be good enough. Well, what about this? I try my best. I go to church. I give to charity. I give to my church. Wrong answer. We just read it at the beginning of the message here. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one can say, well, I did this and this and this and this. So I am sure I'm going to heaven because of all the good things I've done. I give hundreds of dollars. I've given thousands of dollars to the church. I've given thousands of dollars to charity. I'm a good neighbor. I'm a good citizen. I've never once cheated on my taxes. I'm going to heaven. Wrong answer. Not of works. No one can boast. Not one of us. You enter heaven by God's amazing grace. There's no boasting in what you've done. Jesus did it all. Everything that was required for you and I to be citizens of heaven was done by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, and I just accept it by faith. It's not by God's, it's only by God's amazing grace that we can be justified and declared righteous in the sight of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. There's not a person of us that haven't sinned. 
Yet through God's amazing grace, there is a way for us to be forgiven. See, God is not looking at you and I and saying, what terrible, terrible people. He said, I'm going to get a way, I'm going to make a way whereby every one of my people can be forgiven. He extends grace and mercy and forgiveness to all who ask. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God has done all that he can do. There's nothing else that he can do. He's done it all. Now it's my turn. It's your turn. You've got to believe that. You've got to receive him. We receive by faith. And the proof is in the spiritual witness. You see, when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my Savior, I knew. The moment I asked him, I knew that I was forgiven. There is a witness in my spirit that I'm forgiven. The devil tried to convince me that it was all in my head. But I knew it was in my heart. Amazing grace flows from his love. God desires to have an intimate relationship with us. He desires to transform our life through this relationship. And the fact is, sometimes you hear people say, well, I got to clean up my act. When I get my act cleaned up, then I'll start serving God. But the spiritual transformation that takes place in our lives is an inner transformation. It starts from the inside and it begins to show on the outside. You can never clean up your act. But when Jesus Christ is allowed to take possession of your heart and your life, then you begin to show it on the outside. You don't have to tell someone, I'm a Christian. People know that you're different simply because you have accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells within you. He is more concerned about you having an intimate relationship with him than he is in what you can do for him. True, when we accept Christ, we want to do something for him. Just like when you fall in love with Jesus, it's just like falling in love with your wife. You, you want to do something for her. You want to do something for your spouse because you love them. I want to do something for Jesus because I love him. And so I give of my time and my talent and my things. Though we have sinned and rejected 
his love in spite of this. God is willing to, to give us his love and forgiveness over and over again. Wouldn't it be terrible if you only had one chance and you confessed all of your sins to God and then you could never make another mistake or you were eternally damned? Wouldn't that be terrible? But over and over and over again, he extends his love and his grace to us and he says, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that great news? People look at you and I and they, and they recall the things that we've done, people who know us. They recall some of the, of the un-Christ-like things that we've done. They may even refer to some of the things that we've done since we've asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Now that we are professing to be Christians, sometimes we do not act much like a Christian. But God extends his grace towards those who ask him. Behold, John chapter 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. All he desires is that we love him. Love him. Matthew chapter 22, uh, uh, verse 37. One of the, the scribes, Pharisees or something, one of those guys, sad you see. <laughs> but anyway, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and foremost commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Where do we get this depth of love from? How can we love like that? 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. And that love is shed abroad in our hearts. We find that we can love people that we hated I, I, can re, I can relate to that. It was miraculous that the hatred that was in my life for people outside of my own family. And when I gave Jesus Christ my heart, he took that hatred away. His love filled my life and made me a different man. Our ability to grow in love begins as you believe and experience God's love for you. This is the heart of, of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 19. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God.
that can be my experience, and that can be yours. As you grasp the depth and the intense, in, intensity of his love, he transforms you, and his spirit gives you the ability to obey the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. It's only God can do that. God's amazing grace produces a transformed life. Many Christians try to live a transformed life in their own power, and they become frustrated and discouraged. It's by grace through faith. And all the trying on your own is not going to do it. But when you get serious about it, you say, Lord, I've got a problem with this person. Lord, you know what this person said. You know what this person did. And Lord, in my, I'm saying right now, I just can't forgive him. I just can't forgive her. You're speaking the truth. In your own self, you can't. The hurt is so awful. The deed was so terrible that your human nature says, I will never forgive. I can't forgive. But then God's love and power coming into your life, being shed abroad into your life, And miracle of miracles, you can say, I forgive you. You can say, I can't forget, I'll never forget what you've done, but I forgive you because Christ in me says I will. kind of life described here is impossible to live when you try to do it in human power. God knows this and he gives us power which can transform our lives from the inside out. Living the transformed life is not about living according to a set of rules. That's a terrible way to have to live. Living by a set of rules. We are transformed by hiding God's word in our heart. We're transformed by allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth and to work in us. And all of the hurts and all of the things that have been done wrong to me just seem so small in the light of what Christ has done for me. The Bible says, when I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And you and I can remember the days when we walked unforgiven and how terrible we were and how capable we were of doing the most ungodly things. 
And God loved us so much that he died so that we could be be live and be set free. There's freedom in this place. There's peace in this place. Because those who the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. There's a miraculous thing that takes place in my life and in yours when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart that transcends all human reasoning. True life transformation comes through the working of the Holy Spirit, understanding God's love, his plans, and his purposes for us. It's in his word. Jesus died so that we could not only be forgiven, but also be able to know the love of God. God's amazing grace is sufficient for every aspect of our lives. God's amazing grace do not end with our salvation. He continues to graciously be involved in our lives. In the words of John Newton, through many dangers, toils, and sneers, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on. Without grace of God, we're nothing. We're, we're not capable of doing anything without God's grace. Jesus said, abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. We can't accomplish anything without him. Anything of value. God saved you by his grace and he'll sustain you by his grace. Abiding in Christ is drawing upon his grace. You need to believe that. Now, Paul shares a, a lesson with us that is very important. And I'll just read a part of it, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I be exalted above measure, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be depart from me. And he, that is God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproach, in need, in persecution, in distress. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. 
we are really not given a clear indication of what the thorn in Paul's flesh was. But Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, my strength is more than enough. The thing that you are going through right now, I am well able to take care of it. My grace is sufficient for you. Paul concluded, when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The sooner you and I can recognize our weakness and our inability, the sooner we will learn to Trust in his strength. Allow him to take us through. He said, my strength is perfect in weakness. In other words, that's when I really can help you. That's when I really can be your strength and your support. When you are relying totally on me. When you realize that you cannot do it in your own strength. The word strength means ability. It's the power promised by Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. But, if you sh you, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ask our worship team to come back right now. As I conclude, will you receive God's grace today? Will you let him do what no one else, no one on this earth can ever do? There's grace for salvation, to be born again, to be saved. There's grace for you today. God extends his grace to you now. We have no indication whatsoever in the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. There is nothing that tells me that if I refuse his grace while I'm living in my flesh, that I can ever enter into the presence of God. That's a sobering thought. The fact is, I don't know how long I have to live on this earth. I better know today, if my heart were to quit beating right now, I better know where I'm going when I draw my last breath. Oh, we can all hope. We can all imagine and we can all hope that somehow in the last breath, the last conscious breath that we have, that we've made it right with God or our loved one made it right with God. But friends, that's not something to, to base all of your, your eternal soul upon. 
base your, base your eternity upon what is revealed in the Word of God. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You're in the acting side of eternity. You and I are in the place where we make preparation for the hereafter. You don't hear much about it anymore, but there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a lake of fire that burns forever and ever and ever, where the fire is not quenched, and the worm dieth not. Here's how you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Admit that you're a sinner. Don't go around bragging about what a good person you are, all the things that you're doing in your neighborhood, all of the clubs you belong to. Admit that you're a, savior, you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior. You're in need of forgiveness. In other words, confess. Confess your sin. It's A, B, C. Admit, B, believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And everyone who receives him, everyone who accepts that, can be saved. Believe in your heart. C, call upon his name. Ask him for his forgiveness. Calling up on God is simply praying. When you're talking to God, you're praying. When I'm talking to you, I'm talking. It's just, prayer is just a word that we, that we use to express that we're talking to someone that is higher than us, someone that is more powerful than us. Someone who loved us, created us, loved us so much that he's not willing that we would perish. He's not willing that we would die, but that we would have eternal life and live with him forever. If you're willing to do that and you're ready to do that, I would ask you to pray with me right now. Those of you who already have prayed that prayer, pray along for encouragement for those who are praying for the first time. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I need forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord. I confess that I've done wrong. Lord, I believe that Jesus, your Son, died on the cross for me. And I accept him into my life as full payment for my sins. Lord, I'm calling on you now. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm calling on you now, Lord. I want to be saved. 
I want to be forgiven. I want my name written in the book of life. In Jesus' name. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you prayed that simple prayer this morning, you can tell people now that you're born again, that you've received Jesus Christ into your life. We have some literature that we would love to give you. If there's anyone that prayed that prayer today to ask Jesus into your life, would you raise your hand so I can, so I can see? Anyone? Amen. Yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. There's grace for healing. Doesn't matter what the doctor said. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how many things are wrong in your body. Jesus can make it right. He wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. There's grace for every need. You receive it by faith. Grace is not a license to sin. It's God's unmerited favor to forgive when we call on him. I've got to stop this message right now. Just in case I don't preach any further on this, let me tell you. Don't presume upon the grace of God. Just because it's free, just because it's by faith, don't ever fall into the trap of saying, because of God's grace, I can do what I want to do. I can say what I want to say. I'm saved. Don't presume upon God's grace, folks. Live as close to God as you can. Don't see how close you can be to the world and still be a part of the family of God. You may be in for an unwanted surprise. Maybe I'll get to that some other time. But Father, right now, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit today. Lord, I know you chose this day and this hour for me to preach this message. Now, Holy Spirit, continue your work in the hearts of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. I've asked my brother to lead us in amazing grace this morning. Won't you all stand? We know that we, we have the, that meeting coming up right after this.
but if there's someone that needs prayer in any way, I would be glad to pray with you today. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.